Hello there, nerds, and welcome to Crit Chat, where a group of DMs get together every week and discuss the important things in life, like how nothing blows up your brand quite like getting real horny real fast in an advice podcast. Uh, this week we have with us Alfred Clark, also on Twitch as Penny Blue. Hey. We have Emily Kuklinski, also known around the internet as the Punny Emily. Hello. We also have Hemko Verme, also known as the Unlikely GM. Hello. And we have me as your host, Ismay Hutton, also known as a Teacup Gamer. Uh, so guys, this week we are talking about how to encourage group storytelling in Dungeons & Dragons. Um, now there's a couple of things that we're going to want to talk about today. Uh, one of them being how to give up a little of creative control um, to like help build the story together. Um, but first, why don't we talk a little bit about another thing that's very important in group storytelling. Um, about how to make your players uh, work together to create a full story. Um, so, <laughs> okay, how do players ruin your story every time that you've carefully crafted? Yeah, data? like that. It happens more often than not. So, like, I guess this is mostly an episode on episode episode on how to fucking deal with it more than anything. Um, but yeah, so uh, one one of the things that uh, really helps like characters get together is like doing like backstory things with your characters. Um, especially if they tie in together, which makes it uh, a little nice. Um, but how, how do you guys normally deal with that kind of first episode making people relate to one another? Or, alternatively, do you guys go on a route of first episode of the story, everyone meets up? Um, Emily, how about we we'll throw it to you first, my dear. Okay. I like having uh, my players... Uh, put in what their personality types are like in their bios. Um, and so it gives me a better idea of how to make everyone mesh together. Uh, the campaign I'm running right now has been really lovely because it's uh, all of them are new except for one person. And um, in the beginning, I don't really like to put them into too much combat or to, into too much, like, um, stuff that's super integral to the overall story because I want to put them more in situations where they have to figure out what they're doing. Mm -hmm. um, and in those points, you start to realize how much their personalities feed off of one another. Um, because when you put them in situations where they don't really have to think about stat blocks or about how hard they're going to hit, they have to make certain decisions. Um, so... Uh, like, for instance, I had them go against... There was a werewolf and a knight that were fighting in front of them. And I was fully anticipating that they were going to... Tr I, I thought that they were going to start fighting. And I'm like, okay. But this was more to see, like, would they engage? Would they not engage? And they just didn't engage in it. And they ran away. Like, ah, <laughs> Amazing. Okay. <laughs> this is very interesting. Let yeah. me get out my, my glasses and then... I don't know what accent this is, but I'm going to interpret it. You've got a, you're a little bit vampire-y, I think, but like detective vampire. Ooh, new story. New story idea. TM is That's me. good. <laughs> this has been Hello. happening more often than I would have anticipated. So I'm sitting there going, what, what happened to my regular murder hobos? Why are you talking to everything? What is this? <laughs> yeah, right? Like the, the group of players that I'm playing with now are very laissez-faire. And like I, I'll put them in situations where I... Like, in my mind, it's very important to the story, but they're so goal-oriented 
and uh, they're they they don't really like engaging in combat if they don't have to. That they've completely foregone different things. So um, I've just been trying to put them in more situations where I can figure out how they work, yeah, and where they can figure out like how how they operate. Yeah, yeah, oh, that's really cool. So I, I, um, I like that. Yeah, awesome. It's been fun. Yeah, it's really it, it's really interesting about the. <clears throat> I hadn't I I'd never really thought about um, exactly what the first episode should be like, uh, the first session. Um, other than like, I I always had this feeling of like, we should maybe uh, obviously the open in a tavern starter is pretty good classic, because classic. Uh, it's if yeah yeah because it just gives everyone a quick thing where you like you go around the table and you say what are you doing when when you're in this when you're in a tavern like what you know yeah. And um, that was pretty, the limit. And, and I always um, thought like, yeah, it's pretty impo- important to have like a pretty standard combat or something in the first session or something like that, I guess. But it's a really nice idea of um, doing the, um, having having a more, uh, you know, giving more options, more, more opportunities for the player characters to um, express what kind of things they're going to do. Yeah. Yeah, I think that I think I think that's a good one. That, that, I think that lends itself very well into the whole like group storytelling thing because you know right. if, if you see um, at that moment there's a battle and they choose not to fight, then you as the DM know that the story that they want to do might not necessarily be your typical hack and slash your way to the final boss kind of story, um, which kind of influences the whole campaign, I guess. Which is real cool. Yeah, and the group storytelling does start, which is uh, it's a good place. So it's uh, on the character creation, indeed, on that first session. Mm-hmm. Um, because uh, I, uh, if, if it works out, if you set it up correctly, um, having the players set up their characters together and coming up with the backgrounds, it is already part of the storytelling. You know, like they're setting their characters' goals at that point. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I personally don't really guide that process. I, I let it happen on some, but I do something before that to make sure it happens. Um, and what what I tend to do is uh, when you're recruiting new players, you kind of go, okay, um, that you haven't played with before, um, give me some character ideas, but you won't be playing them. I want to mo- okay. know more about you as a player. Uh, and when you're playing with friends then uh, that you already know, whatever character concepts they talked about in the past, like, hey, it'd be really cool to play this. I have this idea for a character. This would be its background. Um, and then when the first you know, session zero is, uh, starts, you know, all the character ideas you guys already have or that you applied with or whatever, you're not allowed to play those. What? You're going to make new characters together Why? now. Everybody's making new characters together. Because, yeah, because that, that creates stories that intertwine, that are interesting. Other people hear the other players come up with their background. And it's not some isolated case that is then plopped into the world and has completely no tie-in. So when when the players sit together and all start from a blank slate and have to make this background together, the storytelling basically starts on session zero when they're making the characters. Because everybody comes up with this background, other players will tie into that, go, oh, that's a great idea. Hey, we could have been brother and sister and come from the same city mm-hmm. or whatnot. And and you will hear the players' goals come out. And as a GM, you're just sitting there observing, going, this is all going to be part of the story. Yeah. Mm. this i think this is all really that that's really good stuff i i found that um that hasn't come out without me um poking at it to make that happen um like i find my players tend to just kind of um 
they just kind of come up with their characters except that we're all sitting in the same place as everyone comes up with their individual characters um so i i i really like to this is something i wanted to bring up um there's uh some i i steal some i want to st- start stealing some stuff <laughs> from a couple of other fantasy rpgs mm-hmm. um namely dungeon world and burning wheel um, okay. but in dungeon world there's uh, ev- every character fills out um a couple of bonds which is like oh, yeah. re- your things that uh are relationships to other player characters Mm-hmm. so each person has like a thing that they write about um another player like uh an example from the 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 uh range of classes like um uh uh player two smells more like prey than a hunter and that's like the druid <laughs> i think yeah okay um and that that but those bonds are made to be uh resolved later on like if that person you know proves themselves to you or something like that um but they they're things that kind of mechanically make the players think about their relationship to the other players yeah um and i find that having actual systems to reinforce that um is pretty important because otherwise i i, I tend to find people just pick things off the lists you know yeah i don't know i think yeah i i like i like the the whole borrowing from other games to to make that process a little better because yeah i think that D uh has the kind the allure of the lone wanderer kind of plight that i think a lot of people uh get in their games where at least one if not more of your players are going to be like uh say you're doing the whole starting in a bar scenario there's going to be one that wants to be your goddamn strider in the corner that's yeah. like I don't talk to anyone. The quest comes along. They're like, where are some adventurers that will join this marvelous quest? And they're like, I, I do not engage. Well, when, like, it comes okay. to, when it comes to group storytelling, uh, we can't uh, ignore the fact that with, uh, with power comes responsibility. Um, so if as a player you have power with storytelling, you the more freedom as a player you have, the more responsibility you have. I make it very clear to my players that, hey, we're making a story together. Um, we're all, you know, everybody can add stuff. You can add as much as you want. You can be as much of a storyteller. You can make up towns on the spot and they'll be there. Um, and we'll roll with it. You can name NPCs. You can, uh, whatever. We'll, we'll, we'll make the story together. But with that comes responsibility. And that is to keep the story interesting and keep it going. If, if, if they have the freedom to make whatever character they want and they're starting in a bar, that's fine. But it needs to be abundantly clear to the players that their goal is to make a adventuring party that go out together. Yeah. So they do have to steer their character interactions in that direction. They do have to work with the rest to to create the story and keep it going. Um, so that's completely possible as long as the players uh, yeah. have the responsibility. If you're going to sit in the corner and go, I'm going to be extremely hard to recruit and I have absolutely no reason to go with this party. Yeah. And it's like, well, okay, okay roll cool. a new character yeah. that is interested <laughs> in joining the party. Guess you're done for today. <laughs> Yeah, I think that that's that's definitely an important conversation that you have to have with your people because like, oh, it's it's totally cool if you want to have a character that is more independent and more of a like a reluctant hero, I guess. But you have to have some reason that you are going to stay with these people because otherwise your character isn't going to last long. Like that's it's annoying because like you as you as the DM can always like make there be a reason for them to follow. Like if they're like 
stubbornly like, I, I don't see a reason where I should be here, then you as a DM can yeah. definitely be like, okay, well, oh, it sounds familiar. Oh, it's your long lost sister that's actually the one that's captured. But at the same time, the onus shouldn't have to be squarely on you. Like, if, yeah. if they want to play the game, they should want to play the game. <laughs> yeah, you can do that, but it stops being group storytelling. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I think a thing that helps is if you wait to actually incorporate their character backgrounds into the story after at least, I don't know, five or six sessions. And I know that okay. sounds like a lot, mm-hmm. but um, at least that way they don't feel holden, hold, held down by their their bio to figure out who they are. Um, which is something I did in this session that I'm working on right now. Because mm-hmm. um, a lot of them wrote really elaborate backstories and I really liked them. And uh, I figured out that if I withhold incorporating their background into the storyline for the beginning part, then they begin to learn more about how their character would actually interact with the world. Because I'm not, I'm not reminding them of who they are. Yeah. Um, so I have a dragonborn warlock who thought that she didn't really like anybody, was a, was very much to herself, and now she's adopted a puppy, uh-huh. and she was in a situation in a boss battle where uh, she couldn't control herself, and she had to attack other members of her party. Mm-hmm. And she's like, oh... Yeah, I really like I, I really don't like people, but I, I didn't like having to attack my friends. Yeah. And I'm like, ah, you use the F word. <laughs> yeah. um, <laughs> now you have <laughs> companionness now. Yes, you added an R to fiends. I'm very proud. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. So yeah. it lets them it, it almost gives them more freedom when you don't hold them to it. And yeah. uh, then you can start sprinkling in their backstory and then it can be like, oh, my character has grown since that. And that's mm-hmm. the mentality they kind of start getting is I'm not the same person I was before and I've grown and it makes them feel more dynamic. Yeah, I really like that. Like that, that, that makes a lot of, a lot yeah. of sense to me as like a, a character thing to do. Yeah, and that's probably the best way to handle characters' personal backgrounds. Yeah. Um, yeah, let it kind of. Uh, I I I try to have my characters uh, not have too elaborate backgrounds. Well, what I generally tell them is uh, when I look at the backgrounds that they write, uh, I tell them to take out any resolved events. It's like they talk about a story that about their past, and it's okay, but is this relevant? Is there a personality trait your character has based on this? Um, it's a resolved event, so it's not something we can do in game. So make sure they're unresolved events and actually make sure that the background is something that uh, that they can then explore somewhere in the campaign. Uh, and then they can go after that and you can build off that. There you go. You got your basics of cooperative storytelling. See, I, I, I've always gone a kind of different way of that, of being, I, I kind of like some, at least, even if it's not like everyone has resolved events, like if there are resolved events in their thing and like their backstory, um, a lot of that can work pretty well with the whole group storytelling, at least uh, for, for my games it's worked pretty well. Uh, just so it's there, that means that there's some very specific things in the world that now I've, I've added and it feels like they have added to the story. Like not, not even just the story of 
um, their party, but the story of the world in general, uh, just so that further down the line, even if it's, you know, even if it's just a throwaway thing, you be like, oh, you're, you're wandering through this town and there's someone that recognizes you and it's uh, someone from that part of your backstory that you wrote about. Um, and it just makes the world feel, at least, I, I found it makes the world feel a little bit more like we've all created it. Um, instead of me being like, here is what's happened in your past. Now, here's some future shit and n nothing to do with your old things. Um, but I've always liked, I've always liked the whole, I don't know, take, taking some like actual resolved things and making them, making them a part of the world. Yeah, I mean, it's it, you, people are free to write up whatever they want. It's just I as GM aren't super interested in their resolved stories. It's like I want to know your character's personalities and why they are the way they are, and uh, uh, let's challenge that in game. And if there's any unresolved events, that's fun. I can work with that. But if there's a resolved story that really is completely wrapped up in your background, then I'm going, well, it's a f was a fun novel to read. Mm -hmm. I have no fucking clue what to do with it. Yeah, sure, you could have a little NPC cameo, but that NPC cameo would be better if it was actually part of a story that they could resolve. That's right. Like, I, I just, like, I don't know, like, I, I feel like you're able to, it just gives you another tool to work with, I think. So, for instance, like, in, in my campaign, uh, one of the kind of, kind of resolved things in it um, for one of my characters is she used to be, because she took, like, the, um, what is it, the, it's the pirate background or something along those lines. Um... So she used to be on the open sea, and she was with like a, a group of people, um, had a lovely time with them, um, but then had to leave them, um, and they went on their merry way, and there was no like love loss between them. It was just, you know, that's what happened. But at the same time, I've got these NPCs now that are just somewhere floating in the world that at some point I can dangle over people's head and make it... Uh, make it like a, a reason for them to go in a direction that I might want them to go. Yeah, well, uh, after a backstory like that, I would ask my player, okay, okay, so how does your character feel about pirates? Does your character miss these people? Does your character want to leave this this life behind? Like certain feelings that are actually there that 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 can be that can be used. I'm more interested in the result of the story than the story itself. Yeah. Um, yeah. Just kind of saying that things I can actually kind of use in game. Because uh, putting the NPCs in is interesting in the first place, but. Um, it's even more interesting if you kind of know that they'll elicit a certain response, or that it's very, it's actually very, it's 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 not a lot of use putting the NPCs in if the response of the character isn't interesting. Like I'm, you want to in this case, you want to put the pirates in that the person lived with before to kind of see, um, you know, and then have the player take some storytelling uh, narrative there by deciding how their how character reacts. I mean, is does the character think fondly of those people or does mm -hmm. think badly they want to forget about them and happy to see them uh, all that can take the story in wildly different directions which is great fun of course yeah one of the, one of the other things that um okay, i wanted to go back to um was uh alfred uh, talked about um taking from uh other other systems like the the whole bonds oh, yeah. the the bonds idea um, is, is that the the only kind of um, thing that you've taken from another game for this whole like group storytelling aspect? It's what it's one of two main things I would say. Um, so bonds is dungeon worlds uh, thing. They 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 do fit in quite nicely to what um, we've been talking about um, about like uh, letting your characters kind of develop their personality. Like mm -hmm. Emily was saying about um, you know they said that they were like really like standoffish and didn't like getting close to people mm -hmm. <clears throat> and then had a, found a puppy and you know grew to <laughs> like speak and but that, that's the example of uh 
personality traits sort of res resolving and becoming um, and ceasing to be relevant to the character. And that is a mechanic in these games where you like you have your um, you have your belief or your personality trait or whatever. And when you mark it off, the mechanic is that you gain XP, um, oh, which is what I hmm. would do. Um, but it's all just a way of encouraging people to develop that to like actually actually develop their characters um rather than um sort of coming up with their character and then you know like move like trying to achieve the goals or finish their quests but not actually having character development itself interesting but yeah so mostly bonds is pretty cool because that's all about um between player characters and then the other thing that i do is i well, I haven't done in the past, which is, um, I might be talking about that on uh, next week's episode. <laughs> um, Get live updates, I like it. <laughs> but um, the, but I, I like the belief system from Burning Wheel as well, or I would basically describe it as goals. Um, it's just a, it's just that you set um, a, a specific, um, fairly manageable sized goal for your character to achieve you set at least one up to three um and then as you achieve those goals you mark xp basically okay um and that's yeah it's just a way to um to keep people thinking about what their character is trying to do um, i just fight basically my reason for using these um these uh, mechanics from other systems is that dnd doesn't provide anything out of the box that's actually going to encourage people to um put effort into the character roleplay. Mm -hmm. Um, and especially yeah. people who don't really like even if people who have played D&D &D before but like maybe aren't that into it or like haven't really felt that they've like they've got, they never really really got into a character for instance um, people can often be left like wondering why they haven't been enjoying it or like um, or you'll be wondering why like people aren't creating characters that are meaningful but i think you, it just i think you just really you'll really really benefit from having things that, that mechanically encourage people to do that yeah often it just takes that little spark because you're right a lot of people do come into the game with a computer gamey sense of okay yeah. tell me what the scenario is in front of me uh oh my character does this my character does, says that i that's my most dreaded line and it's said a lot mm -hmm. uh, but my character says what do you mean your character sounds? Just put up a voice and say it. Um, <laughs> so, but uh, but yeah, no, I mean, it, it's um, it's very easy to go like, well, just role play, just stay in character, just storytell, just make something up. Uh, but but these little aids that other games have that D and D doesn't are are great helps. Um, which um, I mean, I, I have I have a thing like that I'm doing very recently as well, taken from another game, though next month we kind of do have the episode about taking from other media and games which oh, yeah. i want to talk more about but very quickly for this one some um, a little, little little spoiler cast a little spoiler yeah, <laughs> yeah. a little spoiler or like, or like, uh, more like a, a teaser a teaser trailer <laughs> yeah uh, yeah and uh and uh, and and a little humble teaser plug obviously <laughs> of my on friday i've got my savage worlds game and on sunday i've got my D, &D game um, I really like both of these systems, at least D&D &D 5e, I really like. Um, and uh, when you play off and on these constantly, first of all, I mix up the rules all the time. I make let people do skill checks and the other ones where people go, what check? Oh, shit, wrong game system. Mm -hmm. um, but I also take the positive things from each other. One of the things I've been taking from Savage Worlds is um, there's a system uh, where the, it, it's heavily involved playing cards, so everybody, everybody draws a card. And what card you draw it basically has a certain subject. 
And anytime there's downtime, if if somewhere in that session, your player tells a story in character about the subject on that card, you get a Benny. Um, it's just kind of like inspiration in D&D. Oh, so okay. I took that into D&D as well and have it be inspiration. So you could draw a card. So everybody draws a card. You draw a card and it says um, uh, a, a long lost uh, love. Or it says uh, a goal your character really desires. That's all it says. Mm-hmm. And then you do that at the start of the session. And anytime it's downtime, and it, and it creates these campfire talks, right? You remember the, the moment you said, okay, you set up camp, uh, camp, you know, it's quiet, okay. Normally in D&D, everybody just sets up their patrol, and then you skip to the next day, or make some perception checks, and that's yeah. it. Here, people sit around the campfire, and the players start looking at their cards that they drew, and go like, okay, and then start talking. The idea is to have them have an in-character uh, little story they tell about their character's past, or desires, or... Uh, a love they have at home, whatever they drew from the card, it's the subject uh, they have to talk about. And they don't, they don't have to, but they yeah. get a point of inspiration if they manage to uh, tell that story of that session. That's really cool. Like, what was that? What was the game that that's from called again? Sorry? Savage Worlds. Savage Worlds. Oh, that's really cool. I, I really, really enjoy that one. That 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 feels really cool for um, the whole like group storytelling thing, just because, yeah, yeah it, it's everyone's yeah. kind of forced to create little pockets of the world or at least like it might just be for their character but it might just it might be yeah especially if there's like oh someone from home or like a love from home or whatever then you've just got a little little bit extra in that world that you didn't have to write and it feels more like you've done it as a group yeah it's what Alfred also uh, mentioned about you know rules from other games actually uh, encouraging the storytelling it gets the ball rolling yeah like it's just one thing and hopefully it sparks the players to do more of that in character talking once they get used to that yeah, like for I, I um when I for the group that I was DMing, I still do DM. Like there, there got a lot more people in it. So at the start, there was just the four of us playing, um, and then we we broke for a little while. When we came back, there was an extra three people that had come in. Um, so I was like, okay, well, the these three people have got uh, their own story that they've already developed together. Uh, how about we give you guys a head start on you guys developing a story together? Um, so I, I kind of took from uh, Monster Hearts, um, which is one of the Powered by the Apocalypse games, you know, like rolling rolling your D6s and getting uh, successes and failures based on that, um, to create a time of, I think it was like maybe a year or two, where this group has been traveling together. So Mo- Monster Hearts is very much about when you're creating your characters, is this, um, as Hemko was saying, like, you all sit around and you make these characters together. Like, uh, I, I, I told them beforehand, create a character that you kind of want, um, but they're really going to be created when we're all together. Like, their personalities are going to develop then. Uh, so we went through this entire year of this group being together. Of very, it's very, Most Hearts um, encourages very open and honest conversation about your, your character and what they've gone through. Um... So it was very much at the beginning, tell everyone everything about your character. Like every, every like, like when, there's probably secrets that you are going into this wanting to have. And those secrets, they're, they're still going to matter because they're going to carry over to these new three players that are not invited to this session. So those secrets are still valid and they're still going to be there. So you've not lost that. But this is a group you've been with for a year. And if you've played D&D at all, you know that uh if your if your dm is there to kind of expose the secrets 
they're probably going to get exposed at some point in a year. So, um, but it's, yeah, it's making, making sure that they all know everyone's, uh, everyone's deal, telling very short sentences, telling the story of what happened. Very, you get attacked by this based on your roles. This happens. What do you think your characters would have done? So for instance, one of them rolled very low on, they got attacked by a Hydra and um, so the Hydra ripped their goddamn arm off. And I was like, okay, so what do you think would happen? I am open to anything that you think would have happened after this. For some context, you can definitely go to like a healer and grow it back. You could go to um, like an artisan and have like essentially a robotic mech arm, <laughs> for lack of a better word. Um, or you could just be armless. Like, what What do you think would happen? Um, and whatever that is, that's how it's going to be, because this this is us building a little backstory for you guys. Um, and I think that that worked really well, especially because, like, at the end, we went back to what their secrets were to be like, okay, how much of this do you think, after all these things that have happened, how much do you think that all your friends would have known? Um, which is really, really cool just cause yeah, it, it was some of them, they're like, okay, well, because of my guy's personality, I guess like they would know everything. And then one of them being like, well, cause of mine's personality, I don't think, I think that they would know most, but not all of this secret. And it, it was, it was like a really nice way. It's a very good system for developing a backstory that includes other people uh, that instead of just including yourself. I... I won't take credit for this mechanic. Um, also, my brother's listening. Hi, brother. Um, <laughs> Hi, Emily's brother. Hello, Emily's brother. He's <laughs> cool. This is what happens when you listen live. You get shout-outs as long as you're related to one of us. Hi, yeah. Mom. <laughs> Hi, Mom. So, <laughs> I'm so worried my mom's just going to come through and be like, Hi, sweetie. <laughs> come um. on. <laughs> He's really cool, and he has his own tech startup company, and it's really cool. So, oh, hit me up if you want to learn more. Um, oh, we'll plug that in the end. <laughs> yeah, uh, but there's this mechanic that I found on Tumblr because a friend of mine sent it to me, and I'm like, oh, this is really great, and I started incorporating it to my D and D games, and I found that it helps the um, helps my players feel more uh, more like they're actually crafting the world that they're in. So it's called the I know a guy mechanic. It's based on like Han Solo and Star Wars, like where he says, oh, I know a guy. And then he runs into Lando. So your character, if your character is in a situation where they feel they would know somebody, either in the city or the town, or if there's a situation you have to overcome, they can be like, oh, well, I know uh, Bob and he is a <laughs> sailor. And he would be able to help us get across this patch of patch of water. So they roll their d20, and depending on how they roll, it they can interact with him. But that'll depend on how positive or negative the interaction is. So, like, if they roll, like, a 19, then the person would be like, Oh, yeah, my old buddy, sure, I can get you across the sea. And alternatively, awesome. if you roll, like, a 2, they could be, like, very, like... You've never paid me back, bucko. Yeah. <laughs> and that's really cool. That's uh, that I just great. wrote that down. I am instantly yeah. going to incorporate that. <laughs> right? And I, I used it in my last session, and I looked at everybody. I'm like, all right, let me know if this would be something you guys would be interested in. And we immediately used it. 
because yeah. it was like, oh, we didn't know we could create NPCs. I'm like, yes, yeah. I'll still operate them, but at least this way, it's it's not like always going to be a positive interaction, but it's always going to be an interesting one. Mm-hmm. That's really cool. Uh, that's that's something. Uh, regardless of die rolls and and rolls, is something I've been tr- sometimes have to hammer into players more than others which is to, you can create NPCs. You can add whatever you like. I will roll with it. Yeah. Literally. Yeah. Because nothing kills a storytelling more than saying no. <laughs> Don't just Sorry, softly pawn in the background, you bastard. <laughs> <laughs> this has happened so many times because, like, Sometimes I don't pick them up on Discord, like in the live chat, but then I'm going back and editing and be like, oh, there's like, there's a weird audio thing in Emily's, let's just go to it. Oh, it's a pun. It's just a really soft <laughs> bastard pun. That's <laughs> uh. who I am. And sometimes I don't feel very confident. <laughs> it's gotta so sneak it in there. <laughs> it's just like, Throw them out. It's Throw just them like out. a little extra, a little extra one. Like that, that's why, like it's oh, like I. Th- there's always the worry, like when you're editing things, that you're gonna get bored of hearing the same shit again. But I'm like, no, no, no. I just get a lot of extra crap. That's just people. She hides in the little Easter eggs like, for you. <laughs> that's phenomenal. <laughs> God damn it! But I caught it this time, fucker. <laughs> Let me just increase the volume so everyone can get that Emily pun right here. Thank you very much. Add oh some yeah, sound effects, a little drum roll, a little to dum tish, a little dum tish, or like a little wah or a dum twitch. That wasn't even good. No, it wasn't. That's why I'm usually really quiet because symptoms are not good, and I don't want to make fun of. This is why I don't have any real friends. I have to make friends from Scotland, and I don't know what they drink over there. Mead? Do they drink ale? They all drink whiskey. It's just this is a weird one. Why? Hey guys, it's Miss May in the middle of the break chat. I am here for your convenience and your love and your small dogs. Give them to me, please. I will take them all, and they are mine now, and I will love them more than you did. Oops, sure loved a dog more. Um, I don't know where this went, but it went somewhere weird. I have a very great need for dogs in my life that is not fulfilled as of yet. This has gone a strange place. Anyway, thank you so much for listening. I hope you're enjoying the episode so far. We did the thing again where we accidentally gave like quite a lot of really good advice. There's actually more coming. It's it's kind of baffling to me every time this happens. So I, I, what? I don't know what I'm doing. Um, sorry that this is a day late. Um, actually, it might not be a day late anymore. I just might start putting these out on Fridays instead of Thursdays because it kind of works better with my schedule being as kind of fluid as it is. For Plugs This Week, if you listen all the way to the end, then of course you'll have Hemko uh, plugging his wonderful uh, D&D experience on Twitch. Uh, it is called The Unlikely Heroes. You can find them on Sundays at 7pm BST. Um, and they also have a new game starting on Fridays. Again, listen all the way to the end for that one. And also you can watch Alfred's uh, wonderful Twitch channel uh, on Penny Blue. And then you can, you can watch him playing play all sorts of games. And it would be a good time. He's a, he's a sweet, sweet, lovely spells boy. Uh, I cannot recommend it highly enough. Um, as always, you can find me on A Teacup Gamer if you want to watch me play games. I think I'm done with Undertale because I'm too stupid and bad at it and I hate killing all my friends. 
uh, all the things that you can do to support us these days, they've, it's, it's grown. If you wanted to support us in the past and you're like, well, I, I just can't do enough. Now you can do a lot more things. Uh, you can follow us on Facebook. You can find our Facebook page. It is Facebook for slash Crip Chat, all one word. Uh, helpfully enough, on Twitter, we are on Twitter as Crit underscore Chat because someone took Crit Chat, all one word, because the bastards. I was going to say go bully them, but please don't, please don't bully them. I hope that they have a nice day, even though they did steal our fucking URL. Uh, you can also find our Discord in whatever description from, like, you know, wherever you're listening to this from. Uh, so you can, you can go and chat to us on that as well. As always, you can find us on SoundCloud if you search Crit Chat, or you, you can like us on there, you can follow us on there, you can comment on there, and you can share it from there. This is a word of mouth podcast. We don't have any, like, advertisements anywhere. Um, so the, the only way that we're actually able to, to grow our big, our big happy family here is if you want to, you know, tell other people about this, and it would do us, it would do us a great kindness. You can also find us on iTunes if you search Crit Chat under podcast and leave a five-star review for the five-star show and comment on that saying what you like so so very much about this podcast. And don't worry if you don't leave a comment uh, because like no one from the podcast has, even though I keep telling them to. If you're, if you're listening to this right now, people in the podcast, this is your call out. This is your call out episode. You're wondering what was going to happen. The time is nigh. Um, but other than that, I think that's it for today. You can watch us live on Tuesdays at 5pm now, BST on A Teacup Gamer. Now, I get to edit the rest of this episode while I watch outside as there is the first blue sky in millennia in Scotland and I don't get to go and see it, you fuckers! But we should, we should probably move on to kind of the, the other half of the whole um, uh, group storytelling aspect. Um, which, which is kind of a throwing, throwing the, th throwing the story to your players instead of, uh, saying it all yourself. And Alfred, I think that you were talking a little bit about, a little bit about that. Yeah, this is, was just me thinking of, um, it's, it, it's a way to f elegantly fix the issues that you'll, that you'll have if you're, um, running a very sandboxy game. Which is what you should. Personally, I think that's kind of the that's kind of what group storytelling is, I guess, sandbox. But it's what you'll you'll you always have problems where like uh, an NPC will walk into a tavern and be like, "Hey, DM, so <laughs> what's on the menu?" <laughs> and uh, but for stuff like that, I think it's really fun to uh, throw it back to the players and be like, "No, no, no, <laughs> why don't you read the menu?" <laughs> Tell me what you see. I like it. Oh, uh, I like it. You can have a lot of fun with that, and uh, yeah. So go on. Oh no, I was, I was just like, yeah, no, that 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 feels like really cool and like natural to me. Especially it, I think that that decreases a lot of the the little random pressures of being a DM because obviously you don't have to tell people that you know exactly what's on the menu, but there's always that little bit of you that's like, oh, god damn it, I didn't prepare this. How dare I? Um, but yeah, like t turning it back on back on the players is like really really cool. Uh, Alfred, have you ever like actually have you actually done that in game? And if so, what are the terrible puns they came up with? <laughs> I'm very interested. Yeah, right. <laughs> no, I, ha I haven't. I haven't. <laughs> I haven't had that question in game before. Ooh. I think I actually. I, I think I actually. I mean, I had people come into a tavern and I'd already prepared a menu myself. Ah. Uh, but this is a way of me never having to do that again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, it's it's, it's great. 
I, I have had the absolute pleasure, uh, and it's just me bragging about the amazing players I've had, let's be honest. Now, I've had the absolute mm. pleasure of, of playing for a very long time uh, with people who were into theater and improv theater a lot. Uh, and it was very interesting to see what the possibilities are. It kind of, it kind of. Also, when it took us, oh, here I'm the adult talking about responsibilities again. But <laughs> the players aren't the only ones with responsibilities here. I mean, mm-hmm. we're talking from DM's point of view and making oh, the yeah. players do stuff. Um, but uh, let's be honest. Also, a lot of DM's do kind of have to learn to let go to even make this happen. Oh um, yes. I mean, we've all been working under the assumption that we want the players to. Uh, to the storytelling, uh, like, like I, I've, I've had these, um, I've had these improv theater players who would come into and instead of another, what you said is is an absolute great way. Turn it on them, make them respond, and improvise. Go. I mean, that's that's how improv theater a lot of times works. I've had these players come in and they would, without breaking the story, go in going, okay, all right, I, uh, I'll look at the menu and um, yeah, I'll order. I'll I'll, I'll see something that uh, catches my eye and I'll order the uh, the goose egg omelet. <laughs> and they'll they'll make that up on the spot because they know that I play by the rules. They know I am accepting uh, of 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 anything they add. And I would go like, you know, I'll stick to the theater rules of yes and, and you don't say no. You don't go <laughs> out of character. There are no goose egg om- There's no goose egg om- <laughs> omelet on the menu. You don't yeah. do that because you want to keep the story rolling. So, so have the omelets. Come on. Uh, what you what would you guys suggest to DMs? Uh, you know, to 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 open up to this possibility and, and, and be allowing of that. Yeah, I think that it, it, it is very, very important. Like, one of the the horrifying things in D&D as a DM that you will realize so fast is that you're not super in control. Um, but this is one of the more pleasant aspects of it, I guess, where, like, sometimes you don't have to have all of the answers, which is always nice. And yeah, I think the, the yes and mechanic that is only about D&D and not about uh, anything else in this world. Uh, the yes and mechanic of D&D is very important. Um, Do we need to explain that, by the way? We say that as if oh, everybody knows what I'm the pr- yes and rule is. I think is. everyone knows. Uh, like, at least at least if you've been listening to this podcast uh, for a while, you you know the yes and, but it's, it's about, you know, in, in improv, you say yes and when someone brings up anything because otherwise you add to a story. You you're don't, just you don't one, kill yeah. you don't kill the conversation because if you go like, I have a banana and you hold out your hand, uh, you know your empty hand because you're doing improv theater, <laughs> and the other person goes, No, you don't. Well, yeah. that just killed this entire cool. well clap done and the story Wonderful. right. So that's uh, you have to go yes and you know you just acknowledge it's there. That is now a fact and then add to it. That that is yes and and that's how a story keeps flowing. Emily, you you are always a very big advocate for like improv theater and improv and games. Uh, how how do you like normally put in put in that good good improv uh, in terms of like the whole like, group storytelling aspect? I keep that in mind when I realize I am not the most creative person in the room. And <laughs> even though <laughs> even though I am the god of this game, I am fallible. And you speak for yourself. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, that makes one of us, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um okay. All right. I guess some of us aren't fallible, and that's fine. And I wish I was that. Anyway, so, how is um, it for you, mere mortals? I guess. <laughs> Maybe I'm not a god. 
I'll try. I'll try to uh, empathize with your mortal experience. Go on. <laughs> Thank you, Zeus. I appreciate that. Ooh, damn, Zeus! That is like a hard burn. No, no, we had the centaurs and half god babies last week. <laughs> oh no, Zeus is worse than it all. That's a whole Zeus new has been level known kinky. to. Zeus has been known to make love with other things that are not human and not God. I like make so, love. That is so much more precious than anything in fucking like Greek mythology. <laughs> I guess he passionately embraces things of other species. Oh, yes. <laughs> oh, oh, but Lord. anyway, yes, go, go back so, to the thing. Where was I? I put my head in the wrong place. Uh, <laughs> Snip. Mm. Um, I didn't like the way that was said. I know, and I meant for it to be a little dirty, but I didn't. Ooh. Okay, anyway. <laughs> it's like, I know it was awful, and I meant it, bitch. <laughs> I'm not infallible in that sense. Uh, so it, you, you find that when you open up the story to everyone else, it makes your job a hell of a lot easier. Because it's not, the world isn't all on your shoulders. You're not Atlas. You're not having to do everything by yourself and mm-hmm. it's always better to ask for help from your players uh like something that i'll do is uh it's a feature mechanic so if any of my players are listening just shut up for well not shut up i won't shut up you close your ears for two minutes i am your god um maybe i don't know um i'm fallible and mortal but i'm your god god damn it <laughs> I'm your cult leader. Better, yes. So uh, there's a player who has someone in their family who's been missing for a while. And so one of the ways that I'm planning on interacting with her is if you feed them a little bit of a hint, like if you give them like little kernels of, of hope, then they get really invested in it. So it'll be something along the lines of like, so-and-so, you notice someone come into the room and they seem very familiar to you. And because of their backstory, they already have an idea of somebody who they're looking for, even if nobody else knows what it is. And their eyes tend to light up when you do this. And it's like, I want you to tell me what you're feeling right now. And if you don't let on everything, like if you don't say the person's name and you don't describe them, it gives them the idea of, oh, I'm very important. And then they'll start describing it. And then your job is to yes and that. And it doesn't always have to be positive. So say someone's like, oh, yeah, it's my dad. And they have all these scars and blah, blah, blah. And you can be like, yes. And then the sad thing could be that they don't remember who they are or that they're like dying or something. (laughs) Like you, like, because they could be... (laughs) Really I, was just like, I was just like, yeah, it's like they don't remember who they are. They're like, I don't know, fuck it, they're dead, whatever. Right? <laughs> they're close now. <laughs> I asked quickly. Because the idea is like you can end something happy for them, but you want to give them agency with it. And you discover that this, the story becomes more interactive and you're both leaning on each other. And if someone doesn't have something to say immediately, the other person feels that they have the authority to step in for a moment. And usually the the outcome is really is really good. It's like, oh, and it feels a lot more emotional, too, 
where it's like, oh, I did get everything I wanted. And I'm also very depressed where the potato chips, <laughs> y- you know? Yeah. Um, I don't know if that really answers your question. <laughs> oh, no, like That's really good because you, you, you create this single moment where the player can... You don't really say who's coming into the door, but the player at that point, his actual desires uh, come up at that moment because that person gets to the side who comes into the door. So it actually have agency uh, in that regard. So that's that's uh, I really like that. It's really good. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think one one of the one the things that I like to do in like moments like that is the kind of coquettish glance that you give to the person that's kind of relevant to, um, like say like. If you're like, oh, one of you kind of, uh, like, notices something going into the room, and then just kind of, like, you real quick glance at the person who it is, and then it's just, like, a little thrill throughout the entire group of, like, ooh, ooh, one of us, one of us knows. Kind of, it's a nice little, everyone gets a little involved. Yeah, and the player kind of sets the theme, because uh, some people want some drama, some people want some, you know, a, a sad story about a lost family member. Some people want some funny thing. And uh, the player's in control not only of what the NPC is and what the story's being told, but at that point the player also becomes uh, in control of the the theme, the setting. You know, the, is it upbeat? Is it something sad? Is it... It really gives the player something interesting, what they want. And, and again, you as a gem have to let go of control and have to let the player set the pacing. I don't know if we, we threw it out for people of, like, how... Have you found like the whole letting go of control thing? Because like, yeah, Alfred, as you were saying, you haven't you haven't implemented the uh, the whole going into the bar and seeing uh, seeing who uh, would like to say what the drinks are that are on the menu idea. But um, have there been any moments that you have given up a little control over your world, or that there's been something that you kind of established in in your world that? went against like something that your player wanted and then kind of substituting it in um i didn't um i haven't really done stuff on the fly like um the example i gave um i've definitely changed things about like like my world is always very flexible and i'm happy for it to be i guess i'd say like (laughs) non-canonical like like for instance like i don't really like player character elves very much i don't like the idea of players being immortal excuse you <laughs> but um me and my elf are very <laughs> offended <laughs> yeah but then uh when when a player wants to play around elf, well, i'm like yeah okay <laughs> yeah. um like I, I i like elves to be distant and not really involved but then you know it, it's not going to be like that if i'm in a game with um someone who just wants to play an elf you like to shelf um, the elves but yeah i don't know if anyone else has any examples because this is this is stuff that i really I, like i'm going to implement with uh, i've started a new game recently and um but um yeah uh, so yeah, uh, Hemko, have you ever had those those times where you've kind of thrown out things from the story in favor of uh, your your player characters' ideas? Yeah, all the time. I mean, if the players come up with with something, I'll, I'll roll with it. I'm just as interested to see uh, where the story is going. I've always like for me, there's no such thing as railroads, but I I, I try to make a compelling story, and uh, if I do a good job, they'll head in that direction. But for me, the most interesting parts, I don't want them to ignore the main story because I do want them to eventually yeah. do it because otherwise I'd written all that shit for nothing. <laughs> um, but the most, but but still, the most interesting parts of the campaign are the moments where they go go off the rails and make their own story and chase their own goals. Um, so when they change something, I I I will gladly change the world around it 
to make sure that uh, that they can go continue that story. Uh, there was a, there was a story very recently about a little girl that was in uh, in rags working somewhere just cleaning barrels. Uh, initially, I had the girl just be a completely normal worker that had raggedy clothes because she was working cleaning chemicals, so she wasn't going to wear her fancy clothes while working there. But they, the players kind of had this idea that she's mistreated, or that, no, that's the image they got from the little flash, or that she's a slave, or, or something. So they completely pursued this 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 NPC, which was completely irrelevant, um, um, <laughs> but they quickly added to it, like like yeah. okay, you know what? She she might have some interesting backstory, which I didn't, uh, and there may be some issues with this person, which I didn't add until the players decided that they think this uh, character is mistreated somehow and wanted to investigate it, and I rolled with that. Because it made for an interesting story. I mean, otherwise the players go investigate it, and my conclusion and my response is, no, there's nothing wrong. She was just wearing old clothes to not get dirty. Yeah. Oh, okay. So we just wasted the entire last 15 minutes of roleplay. Oh, you know, <laughs> obviously you have to then instantly add stuff and actually have that story have meaning. Yeah, that makes all sense. Yeah, making making sure that it's one of those things that like don't don't like it feels like punishing the behavior that you want to see. Like if they're yeah. role playing very well together and then you're like well that was sweet fuck nothing so goodbye don't do that again so they'll be probably be less likely yeah. to do it in the future which sucks. i wanted to say that too uh t- talking about gods i'm a fair god um <laughs> <laughs> no, and that's but that's uh now that's very important that you're fair uh consistency is um consistency is your biggest tool to create good immersion uh if the players know what to expect they can confidently do stuff you want your players to know what to expect when they add stuff when they improvise they want to know that it it can be equally beneficial and detrimental Uh, they know that if they add stuff which is cool I'll roll with it and it's going to be an awesome story that needs to happen every time you should never punish them for doing cool stuff but then on the other hand go wait I have full control yeah I can do (laughs) I can do anything yeah okay um well, I'm walking across the street and I see a plus one magic longsword sign in front of me. Yeah. Well, sure thing. <laughs> and you roll with it and they pick it up and it's okay, right. The guardians rise up from the ground to attack you, <laughs> right? I'll add that bit. And and they know I'm fair. They know they can't abuse it, but they also know every time they add something cool, it's going to add cool story. And even, even with this plus one longsword, I encourage them to do it. Just know that there will be repercussions for it. They, they, they know that. I'm fair, and that's very important to keep that consistency. So that's exactly what you said. You don't want to punish them for good behavior. It's like, well, this is good behavior. You want to do that. Let's make it fun. Yeah, so uh, last we'll jump to Emily. Emily, have you ever had those uh, those moments of uh, players going against what you thought of your world and changing it? Yeah, and I, I always like it. The, the great thing, I think, about role-playing games and with uh, stories where you're able to collaborate with other people is that you never really have writer's block because you're you can't because other people are always offering you new ideas and you're like oh no that works that totally works i'm going to use that like uh it didn't so much change the world but there was a boss fight and it was the very first boss fight i gave my my group and i want my main goal was to help them realize that multiple things can happen at once boss fights are not fair and uh (laughs) you don't just have to hack and slash to kill an enemy so there were a lot of things happening in the room 
and uh, the main I- the the campaign is a little bit more fairy tale themed, and so the main idea is they were going up against Rumpelstiltskin, who is controlling. It's like a combination of Rapunzel and Stiltskin. So he would control, <laughs> this is Stark, the corpse of Rapunzel's mother, pretty much, with like a marionette with uh, straw-like string hair. And, yes, you uh, found Ismay's phobia. It's yeah. marionettes. Well done. <laughs> you have found my weakness. Thank you. <laughs> I'll right, just be in the corner vomiting. <laughs> Hi, my name is Emily. My name really isn't Emily. It's uh, Matilda, and I am a, an FBI agent. And now I have all of it. Ismay's fears and phobias. So I'm done. <laughs> Bye. Oh, beans. <laughs> but um, so it was a marionette, and the and the main way I thought that they would have to. I'm so sorry. They would have to defeat Stiltskin was because he had like a protective barrier around him so they couldn't really just hit him the main idea is they would have to cut the strings and then the like stuff would happen um well they didn't do that and it's funny because one player always is following my train of thought but they never listen to him and i'm like ah okay (laughs) but one of the players who's a magic user and i feel like magic users always get short short changed because they sometimes they're not like, they can't just use their magic to hit. They have to think of, like, creative things, which is a little bit harder. There's a learning curve to it. But she decided, oh, I'm going to use Thunder Wave, and I'm going to try to push her and Stiltskin away from one another. And I'm like, oh, okay. I want to reward that behavior. Yeah. So I had to rechange the mechanic of how that monster worked. And uh, even about, like, this... the the barrier that was around stilt skin it was like they started piercing it because originally it was like they had to roll like a 23 to pierce and they did and then they thought oh so we have to cut it and i'm like okay sure you have to cut it and it's a constant refooting uh yourself and it's like a dance like if they take the lead you follow and then if they start stammering then you take the lead it's a yeah it's it's a kind of a ballroom dance I don't know. It always makes it exciting because if you don't really know what's going to happen and they don't really know what's going to happen, everything is a lot more interesting for everybody. Yeah. But yeah, we're, we're, we're kind of short on time. So we might have to, might have to skip over our like last pieces of advice just because we're kind of, we're running thin. Yeah. Uh, I just saw the time. I wanted I know, to ask I was like, a question oh, more to you guys, but it's like, uh, no, no time. Oh, well. well, well, hopefully we'll be able to find that out in another episode. Um, oh, yeah. But now we're, We'll we'll go over our plugs. Uh, Hemko, what do you wanna what do you wanna plug for us? I could uh, I could not um, imagine. <laughs> I I'm still slightly distracted from FBI agents being interested in Ismail's personal life because I'm I'm right now just imagining FBI agents eavesdropping on your personal life and getting completely freaked out about conversations about like, centaur you, reproduction. You don't know you don't know how interesting my life is. <laughs> 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 <clears throat> Yes, I'm so, sorry. Well, in that uh, confusion. Uh, um, anyway, yes, I had a plug. Uh, please tune in uh, on Fridays at 11 GMT and Sundays at 7 GMT. Oh, we'll now be, it will now be BST because fucking daylight savings time makes things different oh. because fuck oh. me, I guess. 
just <laughs> check Twitch at <laughs> twitch.tv slash unlikelygm where we'll be playing Savage Worlds on Fridays and D&D on Sundays where you can see all our amazing player improvisation and everything we've talked about here put the action um also of course alfred what are you plugging for us yeah i'm playing um i'm i'm streaming now and again on uh, twitch.tv slash penny blue i'm still playing morrowind i'm a cool wizard <laughs> come <laughs> hang out sweet wizard uh, um, and yeah, as always, you can find me at Atik of Gamer, also on Twitch, if you want to watch me play games. Um, people have forced me to do a genocide run of Undertale, so I'm killing all of the characters that I have grown to love um, yeah. and crying about it, like, near constantly, while everyone else laughs because they apparently love seeing me in pain. Um, but other than that, uh, you can find us now we now have uh, our twitter set up uh we're at crit chat on twitter i mean I-, I would like to think fairly obviously also i think oh i'm gonna have to check i think we are crit underscore chat because someone else had yes. crit yeah we are crit underscore chat because someone else had crit chat because they think they're so cool but you can also find us Fakers. On- <laughs> right i don't know i don't know what their deal is i should go and like infiltrate their twitter and see what i can like uh what I can call them out on. If this is our new call out, fuck you, crit chat with no Maybe underscore. Maybe FBI agent can hack him. <laughs> um, we're also uh, yes, his name is Dave. Like... <laughs> God, sorry. <laughs> you can also like our uh, Facebook page. We're on Facebook at Crit Chat. Uh, if it's facebook.com, it's slash Crit Chat with no underscore on that one because we snatched that one out of the atmosphere. Um, so yeah, you can follow us on there and get get all the updates. Um, I, I very much recommend the Twitter just because there are too many interesting discussions about the Centaur fucking that was a that was a <laughs> it continued on into the night and I woke up dreaming of Centaur babies, went to sleep fantasizing about Centaur babies. It was it was a strange day for Ismay. <laughs> um, uh, but wherever you're listening to this right now, you can go into the description to find our Discord channel to join in the discussion as well. Um, uh, you can also find the link to our SoundCloud where you can listen to the podcast, find the RSS feed, uh, download previous episodes, as well as giving us a like and a follow on there, which would really help us out. Um, you can also find us on iTunes by searching Crit Chat in Podcast and leave us a five-star review for the five-star show and add some comments and good shit like that. And if you want to watch us live, then you follow at A Teacup Gamer and you will see us on Tuesdays at 5 p.m., BST now because I hate you, the world. Um, but yeah, until then, I have been Ismay. I've been Alfred. I've been Emily. And I have been Remco. And you guys have been listening to Crit Chat. See you next week, guys. Join us live on Twitch, Tuesdays at 5pm on A Teacup Gamer.